We're joined by our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger. And, Dregs, you just heard Kyle Dubas speak there. Kind of felt like it had a different aura to it than past locker clean-out days. Do you feel the same? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was borderline bizarre, right? Um, just the, the sequence of events yesterday as was reported on by Pierre Lebrun and, and Chris Johnson. Um you know, and, and look, you know, for Kyle Dubas to come out and be as honest and emotionally honest as he was, I think that uh, that was surprising to many and maybe even surprising senior management of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I think that many expected that he was going to come out and acknowledge the disappointment and the frustrations of losing out in round two and the design of the team and look back at the year and the ads and the subtracts and, and all that. That's that's annual stuff for any NHL general manager when you're dispatched from the postseason. But Kyle did much more than that. I mean, he brought his his family and his personal life into the equation, which, again, I, I think was uh, surprising to all of us. He's uh, somewhat telling. So if I'm trying to read the tea leaves now, I'm looking at the rest of the week and what the rest of the week looks like. And, yeah. you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs all of a sudden are maybe a little bit different, but not entirely than the teams that don't have managers in Pittsburgh and in Calgary. You're looking at your calendar and you're looking at the draft, which isn't that far away, the prep work that has to go into that. Much of it has been done to this point. Um, but are all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden now is, is Brendan Shanahan going to have to hire a general manager? You know, that's a question that he probably doesn't have an answer to. Uh, but it's one that he's going to need an answer to in the very near future. You know, not weeks, uh, hours, or days. Yeah. And that might be a challenge for Dubas, right? As he as he talked about openly, you know, he needs to talk to his family, and uh, you know, they need to come to a decision as to whether he's going all in as general manager of the Maple Leafs or, to use his word, he wants to, quote-unquote, recalibrate, um, which means recharge, right? Step away. I'm not sure Dubas is wired that way, uh, but if that's the, the, the leadership of his family in the direction that he has to go in because of family, then I think we can appreciate and I'll respect that as well. But I, I'd be surprised if there wasn't a decision as to whether or not Dubas is in or out by the end of the week. So I, I just just to clarify, because you said that you felt that it definitely surprised some of the people from upper management. Are you talking like Shanahan maybe didn't know about his you know, being a little noncommittal going forward, or is that a little bit higher up that you're thinking? No, I, well, it doesn't matter exactly what I'm thinking, yeah. Mike. I'm, I'm telling you that it's senior management. But I, and nor am I trying to, to fan the flames here and make headlines. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm saying is that you know, management would have heard the same thing that the rest of us heard at the same time. I think that their expectation was that you know he probably would have gone in to say this is Dubas to say, um, you know, I want to stay. I want to stay in Toronto. Uh, but there's a process that you have to go through to get to the contract extension. He didn't stop saying that. He said that, but then said, but I'm not sure. Um, that I entirely can go all in on the job, and I need to explore that with my family before making that decision. I think that the second part of that equation, whether they knew it or didn't know it, probably was surprising to to the group above Dubas's pay grade. Yeah, it, it was interesting to hear. So a different tone completely kind of than what we usually hear in these press conferences. Usually it's reiterating the, the belief in the group, we can and we will. 
Regardless of who's in the driver's seat, Dregs, what is your gut feeling on the status of this core four next feel, next season? Mm. Well, exactly what Kyle said, right? I mean, you have to explore everything. Now, that doesn't mean that you go in there with a machete and you start hacking and slashing. I mean, some of it might happen organically, naturally. And what I mean by that is, you know, if Austin Matthews comes in and says, okay, well, I, as Matthew said, he, he wants to stay in Toronto. Um, if his command is top dollar, whatever that is, 14, 15 million, well, that's going to put a ton of pressure on the rest of the roster uh, and Brandon Pridham and management of the Toronto Maple Leafs to fit it all in. The cap is going to go up, but it's not going up $5 million um, next year, but that's okay. They're still under contract next year. You have to scope then beyond that. Still, you know, is William Nylander a piece that the Maple Leafs can afford moving forward? And if he's not, then is the best time to consider consider trade this offseason or leading up to the trade deadline. It, it feels more likely if you're going to, to include William Nylander as an example, or let's throw them all into them, Marner included, as a trade option, wouldn't you do that this year so that, you know, you're set and, and you use the assets that you've gotten back to get going and, and, at the, into next season as opposed to breaking up your team at the trade deadline? That doesn't make sense because I don't think Toronto has any intention, nor should they, of going backwards um, just because they feel like they've got to address the core. So if they can't afford William Nylander, they need to find that out after July yeah. 1st. That's what they need to find out. You know, what's his price tag? And, hey, I, I'm always on the side of the player because I believe player has earned his right to free agency. Nylander isn't there yet. Matthews isn't there yet. But they can have a conversation after July 1st as to what the deal is going to have to look like in term and money to extend and stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, if you're management of the Maple Leafs and that number is too rich for you from Nylander's standpoint, then you make the call. Is it Nylander? Is it Marner? Who is it? So I think all of that could happen very naturally. Yeah, when it comes to Willie, too, just based on how, I guess, the last contract negotiation went, I wouldn't doubt if, if he'd be willing to bet on himself. Like, he just came off of a career year, yeah. and I wouldn't doubt if he wants to go and try and do it again, maybe one-up it to try and yeah. you know set his market even a little higher. Well, and, and how could you blame him, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's entirely possible that that's exactly what happens. Um, but I don't think that Nylander or anyone associated with this team is naive enough to not consider that. I mean, that's the business of the sport now. Um, if you're that good of a player, you're fortunate enough to earn your position, then, yeah, of course, priority one is trying to win a Stanley Cup. But then you look around the room and, you know, again, what's Austin Matthews going to command? If he's still taking top dollar, well, all right, he didn't take a hometown discount. He didn't shave any off the top. Marner, you know, I mean, he got what he deserved when he was in that contract position. He still has term left. So if you're Nylander and you're the next man up, why would well, you know why would you take less than you think that that uh, you've earned to this point? Even though it might mean that you're potentially forcing a trade, you know we'll see. I I think it's going to be a fascinating off season around the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that started uh, at the point of elimination when they lost the Florida Panthers, and then obviously was uh, amplified with what we learned from Kyle Dubas yesterday. So, Dredge, what do you think is, is the reputation of these core guys around the league? Like, when you think to, to Willie, Austin, and Mitch, 
you know, yep. for for us here in Toronto, it's the they haven't been able to get it done. We question right. whether or not that killer instinct is there. I mean, does would there be considerable interest in these players around the league, or is that a, maybe yeah. a shared sentiment in the NHL? No, there there's interest around the league. You know, honestly, I laugh sometimes at at the criticism and the negativity and and everything that's hurled at Marner and Tavares and Nylander. Tavares isn't going anywhere. You know, I mean, he's a captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a big number, and, and that's a big number for the next two years. But, you know, he, he's still a serviceable player, but, you know, he, he, and he's got full trade protection. So he's not going anywhere. You know, Marner, yeah, of course, that core had struggled through the postseason, but they are exceptionally talented players, and that's how the rest of the league looks at them. Do they like the sticker price? No, probably not. I mean, you know, those are big, beefy numbers that you're you're taking on board. But can you envision the creativity of Marner or Nylander or the finish? That, okay, maybe we didn't see often enough from Willie throughout the course of the postseason. But I would argue that William Nylander was the most dangerous of the Toronto Maple Leafs um, through two rounds. He was. And, and then you look at the regular season that he had. I think that he's changed the way that most teams look at him. I remember having a conversation with Western Conference GM probably a year and a half or so ago. And this was a guy who was in the market uh, for a, a top-end forward. And I asked about Nylander, and nah, he just he seems a little too aloof. And, you know, he's not doesn't seem like he's as committed. Well, I asked that same general manager that same question not that long ago, and his opinion has changed. Um, now, does it change to a $10 million price tag? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's what you're going to have to find out when you're engaging, and that's the other thing. You know, any trade that would involve Nylander, if we're willing to wildly speculate, I mean, man, you got to know what – the deal is going to look like. I mean, you'd you'd have the agent in this case fully engaged as part of the process because you're not paying the assets required to uh, to to get a player of that significance unless you know exactly what you're getting and what that extension is going to look like. But long-winded way, Mike, of saying there would be interest. Players like that are hard to find. So when you can grab them via trade, you you definitely explore how. In conversation with TSN Hockey Insider Darren Dreger. Uh, Dregs, yesterday we also heard from Michael Bunting, and he said he didn't uh, get a contract offer. There was no negotiations that were taking place. What did you make of the year that that he had this offseason? Do you think he'd be a priority for the Maple Leafs to, to bring back next year? Yeah, but again, unfortunately for Bunting, you know, what, what what's the cost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to weigh that versus what he might get on the open market. I think that he's proven in his time playing in the top six of the Toronto Maple Leafs that he's an effective NHL player. He is. Uh, but again, what's, what's the, the, the AAV on, on a player like that? Is it upwards of $4 million? Well, if it is, that might be too much for the Maple Leafs. You know, they can see how, how good he can be um, when that line was clicking with Matthews and Marner. Uh, but then you watch Callie Yarncroke with Matthews and, and Marner, and was there a big step down? I don't think so. You know, I, I, I think that there's a place for bunting. I do. Uh, but I think he's also a slot player. And, and what that means is, you know, you're, you're going to have a ceiling on what the expected earn is on an annual basis. 
so that'll be up to his agents to to figure out, and then up to Bunting, who you know is deeply committed to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, he is a proud card-carrying member of the organization, <laughs> as is his family. So they're invested, but you know, again, your your window of of earning is a short one as a professional athlete. Um, he went through some tough times with the Arizona Coyotes, landed in Toronto, sparked his career. You know, now he's he's trending in a different direction. So is he willing to leave a little bit on the table or maybe more than a little bit on the table uh, and explore a longer term to stay in Toronto? Or do the Maple Leafs even feel like they have any room for him at all? I, I honestly... I don't know that at this point, but I do know that he'd have market value. There are always teams that are looking for that antagonist type of guy who can skate and he can generate some offense as well. Uh, You mentioned Arizona in there as to Michael Bunting's past. A very important vote happening there today, Drags, as to the arena vote in Tempe, whether or not that'll go through. Can you just give some context to our listeners as to what exactly Arizonians, is that the word, Arizonians? I just kind of took a shot there in the dark. (laughs) Are voting on today and what implications it has on the Coyotes' future? Well, it's a hard one. You know, honestly, I, I, I would rather just point our listeners to uh, either Craig Morgan, who covers the Arizona Coyotes, or you know any sort of of publication in Arizona, because they would have the the details of what exactly is going on. We know it's a tax issue and a battle, one city versus the other, right? And there's always a you know a scream for well, how much uh, of the public dollars are being invested into a multi-purpose facility like this. Uh, you've got some territorial issues that cross over from one city to another. It is just another chapter of the eye-glazing stuff that seems to haunt and plague the Arizona Coyotes in the National Hockey League. It, it really, truly is. Um, so it's a difficult one to, to grab hold of. But I can tell you this, you know, regardless of how this goes, let's say best-case scenario, you know, the project is able to move forward. You know, you're still talking four or five years away from having this facility functional and, and, and working for the NHL needs. So that means the Arizona Coyotes are in a 5,000-seat building for the next four or five years. And I can't imagine the rest of the owners around the National Hockey League are too thrilled with that, given how they collectively have propped up this organization. And that's, that's nothing against the, the Arizona Coyotes as a team. It is more to do with the league and how the league has, you know, always defended the geography of the Coyotes. Looking at the, the, the sports map that is Arizona and if how they could ever infiltrate, you know, just a windfall financially that could come from doing that. I get it. I appreciate it. But it's not working. And it hasn't worked. Yeah. So at what point do you cut bait? And I'd like to say it's, it's if, 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 if this process uh, crumbles and falls, then I'd like to say it's at this point. But I feel like I said that three or four times prior. So <laughs> I'm not going to go out on a limb this time. Yeah, well, if there's any consolation, it does seem like Sunbelt teams are yeah. you know, successful franchises yeah. right now. They are now. Right, you got Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, Florida, all in the conference finals. Really quickly before we let you go, who do you use the favorite right now to win the Cup? That's a great question. I, You know, I mean, I look at Vegas, um, but, you know, favorite coming to the West, and, and I had uh, Dallas and Edmonton, I think, in my conference final, so at least I was half right there in the West. <laughs> 
Um, but there's something about the Carolina Hurricanes, isn't there? You know, and, and just the adversity that they've had to deal with, the parts that they're playing without and all of that, and yet they continue to find a way to, to get the job done. So I want to say Carolina out of the east, uh, Vegas out of the west, and maybe because Vegas is deeper, I might give them the edge. So it'll be a long series one way or another. But just a, a quick shout-out, look at the coaches who are now in this Final Four, yeah. right? When, when you talk about cerebral men, um, I think of Paul Maurice, I think of Pete DeBoer, I think of Bruce Cassidy, and obviously Rod Brindamore. Rod Brindamore might be the best coach in the game, but that would be marginally over the other three. So, you know, and I'm not kicking dirt on any of the less experienced coaches in the NHL, but anyone who says that coaching doesn't matter this time of year is drunk because it does. <laughs> and, and these guys have him in the conference final. That's a good point, Dregs. It is a good point. These guys are, uh, they all know how to coach their butts off, and they got their teams into the conference final. We'll see how it goes. It all starts on a couple of days. A couple of days, no hockey, but, uh, or no NHL hockey. Got some CHL coverage here on TSN and then some AHL as well, but we'll see what the conference final has in store for us. Appreciate the time, as always, Dregs. We'll chat next week. All right, guys, and obviously we're all on the Dubas watch this week. Yes, we are. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. There he goes. Darren Dreger, our TSN hockey insider.